podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Helen Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And would you, if you guys have been counting or can read, you would know that this is a really big episode. This is. I'm not. This is the episode. As Bryce insults the, you right out the gate. <laughs> I said, if you guys can read, okay, I'm trusting that you can. And even if you can't, it's episode 100. It, we've recorded a lot. One hundo. One Her and I, Amanda and yeah. I, in this for life now. I don't As remember. She at me with... <laughs> I don't remember agreeing to that. Hold on, I just got uncomfortable. <laughs> I was just talking about this platonic soulmate. Okay. Okay. For life. I literally oh. just changed my last name yesterday. And we've oh. been married for almost three years. So I'm going to need some time. <laughs> To come to terms with this. To, <laughs> you're going to need to change it again for uh for this relationship here. Okay, no, so <laughs> at least three years. Amanda, Hell on Hills pod, Reed Miller. <laughs> I just thought you'd do Hellion. Amanda Hellion. Oh, wait, yeah, I'll pay for that one. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. This one was free. That's marriage license. But yeah, I'll pay for that one. Hellion? Yeah, there you go. I don't know why you're making this difficult yeah that's a good point okay yeah i can go without that yeah i can go without my middle name that's cool i'll change that's to hell you. just do it that way we're good we've got a solid plan all right well how are you i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about it i'm pretty good i think i do have to work tomorrow on a saturday i'm not not a big fan of that but i don't have to work those often so i'll do it i'll do it so my coworkers cool. can have a saturday off Oh, that's really nice of you. Yeah, it sucks. I'm so glad I don't have that issue. Because my customers don't typically ask for me to work weekends. So it's really great. I wish I didn't have to. Well, I guess technically I don't have to, but. You're nicer than I am is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I guess. It's fine. And I have to work with the newbie, so. Oh, gross. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. They're not horrible. I mean, you say that as you go, eh. Well, the the eh is just because, like, that means if something happens, I'm going to be responsible. I don't like that. Right. Well, I don't know how to help you there. I already have a plan. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Let's hear the plan. Okay. So the plan is something disastrous happens, and then I go, my bad. You go, oops. Yeah. Cool. That's. That's the plan. I'll let you know how it goes. That's a pretty solid plan, I think. <laughs> so that's fine. I like it. I like it. Because I think that's our plan for everything we do on the podcast, too. Whoops. Yeah. I'm just going to. Um, I'm going to hell you in it. You're going you're gonna to just do whatever, you know? Yeah. We're going to wing it. How about you? How are you? Uh, we're, we're good. We're busy. Really tired. I just looked at our uh, ceiling fan today and went, oh, my God, that's so gross. So I'm going to make Cody clean that off <laughs> as I Amanda look looks at hers. Yeah, I, I should probably do that, too. <laughs> I looked at it and went, ooh, yeah, that probably needs to be fixed. Um, but I do have some stuff to show you because ooh, okay. I went I went on a small shopping spree. Did you get because books? I could. That's tomorrow. Don't tell Cody. Okay. 
Why would literally? Why would I tell Cody? Okay, well, let me just tell you what this is. What's happening tomorrow? Um, I'm taking. I'm meeting my sister and my little nephew at Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble, under the pretenses of getting my letting my nephew choose out a couple books for his late birthday present. Okay. Of course, I'm going to walk out with books for myself as well. But clearly, Doofy needs. He needs more books. So, and I can't choose them for him. I've got to let him choose them. Oh, absolutely. That's just not even fair. Yeah, of course. So that's tomorrow. Don't tell Cody. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Tomorrow? What? Cody, she's in, she's at Walgreens. Duh. She is down the road at the Smiths. What do you mean? It, she's getting her hair done. She's on a walk without the dogs because they're annoying. Yeah. This is all totally normal. So the other shopping spree, I went to Home Goods. <gasps> I love Home Goods. I didn't see anything at Home Goods that I loved. Uh-huh. But I went to TJ Maxx after that. Loved them too. And you know what? Spooky season is basically upon us. It's Halloween. <gasps> it's it's a mummy cat. It's a mummified cat. With a witch's hat. And a pumpkin. And I love it so much. It literally, it's not a well-mummified cat. It looks like a cat that got into the toilet paper. And everybody with cats has been there. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes, it does. It looks like they were playing in the newspaper. Now, let me just tell you, this is not the only thing I got. Oh, there's more. There's more. So, first of all, the next thing, me and my parents have been arguing about what it is. It is a dog, not a mouse. It looks like a dog with, and his ears are just folded. Yes, exactly. Okay, I see that. Yeah. He's got and little bat wings. He's also got a pumpkin. He's dressed and ready for Halloween. He is. He is. He's looking dapper. He's got a, a freaking bowler hat. He's got a bow tie and a vest. Exactly. And then his little batty wings. And he's adorable. Where's his tail? Does he not have a tail? No tail. Okay, if he was a mouse, he'd definitely have a tail. You can be a dog and not have a tail. Exactly. You can't be a mouse and not have a tail. It's a dog. Yeah. It's fine. I have one more thing. Okay. And this one I think might be my favorite because I just think it's the cutest thing ever. And these are all, just so everyone knows, these are all like decorative like stuffed animal type things. You know what I mean? Like they've got, I don't know. Anyways, are you ready for this last one? Yes. I assume this is a ghost. And the reason is because the tag says ghost party. I'm so glad you said that because I was just about to ask, is that a ghost dressed as a mummy? Yes. With a bow tie and a bowler hat. I guess that's not a hat. Top hat. Yeah. Yeah. He's the most adorable thing. He's he's probably my favorite. He's my favorite. That's for sure. Because I immediately knew, no, that's a ghost dressed as a mummy. I don't know why. I think it's the, I don't know what it is. The lack of like ears or like anything to show that it's a humanly figure. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing it's got is a head and a body and arms and legs. Um, It's got basically all the human features except for ears and a nose. And like, there's nothing in the mouth. So that makes me think that's like a hole in the sheet. Mm hmm. So, yes. And it says, like I said, the tag says ghost party on it. So I can only assume this is a ghost. 
but he i don't care what he is he is so stinking cute he's my favorite and to add on to all of that i've already told amanda i am getting a new bookshelf a new bookcase uh, because mine's a little bit overflowing um, all the books that are on their side just don't fit in there so they had to be kind of jingled in and they're all hanging off quite a bit so I have a new bookcase and it's going to have enough room for my new friends to sit on top but that bookcase is going in my living room sorry oh I'll let it slide I'll send you pictures okay but that's what I was really excited to share with you today I even scrapped the update that I've got to give you next week just so I can show you guys these these new friends of mine because they're adorable and I'm very excited for spooky season. Oh, so I went through the fall um, aisles at Walmart the other day. I don't know why because I never buy anything because like like we're still like tearing up carpet and stuff because we put it off for a while when everybody kept getting sick. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to buy any decorations for the house that I'm just going to have to take down and put in a box and put somewhere. Like, I want the house in order first before I start, like, decorating it. Because we we're we going to have to paint and stuff, too. I haven't told him that yet, so. Oh. Good thing he doesn't <laughs> listen. But, yeah, I got a whole. This is the one episode he's going to listen to. Just you wait. He's, you told me he listens infrequently. This yeah. is going to be the one that he picks up. Well, look, he's already on one Google list of random things for the house, like curtains for this room. Because that's. Yeah, I have Google list for this stuff. Um, you would be so proud of me. But there's also Very a proud. Google list of like, this is what color the bathroom's going to be. This is the stuff that we're because there's like a a fake. It's not shiplap, but it's where they add stuff. So halfway up, you have like some kind of wooden detail on the wall. It's got to go, got to go. All of that yeah. tearing that down. I have another Google list for that. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that James is about to be put to work and you just don't want to tell him yet. Yeah. He thinks the carpets, maybe like that's it. That's all he's got to do. When in all reality, that's just the beginning. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Did he not realize when he got married, that's a never ending list of honeydews? Mm, I think he realized it when we got married, but not when we bought the house. That's when they just like pile on. Like our house was built in the early 60s. We have stuff to do, honey. Oh, trust me. I know. I, yeah. I of all people know my house was built in the late 30s. Yeah. Homeowners, you get it. Five years go by and you're like, shit, the wall fell down. We have to put that back up. Or you could be like my mom who's like, shit, I don't like the color on this wall anymore. Let's paint over it. And then shit, I really miss the color of that wall. <laughs> Let's paint it back. <laughs> Let's paint a different wall, the color that that used to be. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is an actual story. So for I, in the house I grew up in, my parents had one yellow wall. Just one yellow wall. Years. It was yellow for years. They painted other rooms, everything. And then they remodeled their kitchen where this yellow wall was, painted over it. It's no longer yellow, right? And my mom goes, I really miss the yellow wall. I hated <laughs> the yellow wall and I really miss the yellow wall. So she's got a whole bunch of paint. My mother, this is where I get my craziness from. I love you, mom, but I, I, I get this from you. Um, so, yes, she's got paints and all sorts of things all over. She painted one of the, I think she painted one of the walls yellow again. 
decided she hated it, hated it, was going to paint over it. It's, it's a whole thing. I love it. I'm going to do it. Do it. Maybe not yellow, but I'm going to, I'm going to definitely going to do it. Do like a, just like a one. And it was a small wall. So it wasn't like a huge wall. Just do like a small one or paint like a door and then decide you don't like it. See, I like that idea better because I've been toying with the idea of doer doing like a mural wall where you like all one color and then you have one wall that's like, heck, I don't know, like in the bathroom, black marble, black marble wall. But I'm like, mm-hmm. that feels like a really big commitment. Yeah. So I think I'm going to do it with the paint first. And then if I hate it, I can just put the mural over it. Paint over it. No big deal. Yeah. Do what my mother does, okay? Perfect. And then James can't get mad at me for buying a mural. Yeah. Um, how how much do you want to bet that my dad calls me after this episode and says, do not encourage your mother? Oh, I fully encourage the <laughs> chaos. This is what he gets for grounding us. Yeah. Oh, Honestly. yeah. By the way, Amanda and I are currently grounded by my father. He took it upon himself to um, to ground Amanda as well. Mm-hmm. Because he just found out that both of us have played uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Um, I told you, did I tell you what his response was to when we're ungrounded, how long we're grounded for? Was it indefinitely? No, uh, technically, yes. But it was until he feels like we both follow directions. So (laughs) So indefinitely. Yeah, so indefinitely. But I'm trying to buy us out of it with some good dad jokes right now. So I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Let me know how that goes. Oh, it's going really well. Because would you like to know why it's so hard for women to work at the post office? Because it's such a male-dominated industry. I love it. (laughs) Anyways. So that's our update. Anything else you want to share? As Buck yanks that toy right out of your hand. Yeah, he wanted to share his pig and then he decided against it. He really just wants to play tuggy. I didn't actually want to share it that badly with you. Well, for all of our listeners, if you guys do want to see pictures from our episodes, we do post them on Instagram, Facebook, um, X. Ugh, X. I hate it so much. Is that it. what we're supposed to call it? I think so. And I don't want to. I want it to be Twitter. It was just better as Twitter. It it's just X feels it's it's not enough of a word. It feels lazy. We posted on X. This isn't even. Th- I would like to tweet on Twitter. I would love to tweet on Twitter, <laughs> but we we you can't we tweet and you can't X. Twitter anymore. <sighs> Anyways, we do still post our pictures on X. Begrudgingly. Um, yeah, as you can hear me go, eh. Sorry, guys. I just, I'm not a fan. You guys could have done so many things. I would have been okay if you called, like, if you called it Oinker and we oinked on Oinker. <laughs> I don't care. It's better than X. That's not a bad idea. That's copyright. <laughs> Copy. TM. TM, TM. TM, TM. Okay, done. Yeah. Um, but we do post pictures there. We also have our Patreon up and going. Discord's up and going. We have... Our email, which if you guys have suggestions, words of encouragement, whatever you guys want, you can email us, HelenHillsPodcast at gmail.com. Oh, by the way, um, X is Helen Hills Pod, Twitter and Facebook, Helen Hills Podcast, which I did skip saying because I started going off about X. We got triggered. So triggering. 
Also, as a reminder, if you enjoy listening to us, make sure that you tell your friends as well. So all of those things are up and going. Again, if you like listening, if you enjoy us, please, please tell your friends to listen as well. Tell your family, tell your mom, your dad, maybe your dad like my dad, and he'll associate and be like, yeah, they deserve to be grounded. I don't know. But we were just going to say, go ahead and tell people to listen as well. And then are you guys ready for some special episode, 100 episode story? I'm especially ready. Um, and I'm sorry, guys. I requested this story. Well, in my defense, Bryce gave me a list. She's like, this, this, or this. And I'm like, that. do that one because I know what it is, but I don't know much about the case. And then so, now she's here to make me regret that decision. So most of the stories, when Amanda and I get on, we actually don't know what we're doing. But in this episode and the next episode, we each know each other's stories because we, I want to do a slightly bigger story for episode 100. This is a really, really insane case. Amanda just piggybacked and she ended up telling me what it was. Um, But yes, Amanda's correct. I said, hey, these are my options. These are the ones I'm torn between. And she said, do that one. And I said, okay. And so I did that one. Listen, I, I just couldn't make a decision. I actually, before I asked Amanda, asked my dad for his input. And I couldn't get into the book that he told me for the case that he wanted. Couldn't Well, the case that he wanted me to do. I'm sorry, dad. I couldn't get into it. Clearly, your opinion was wrong. So I asked Amanda. I win. Yeah. Sorry, dad. But the book was just boring. I couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. Sometimes they're just really hard to get into and I couldn't push through it. This is a really big case. I... Before I even started, I knew a lot of the details. I know Amanda already said she knew about the case, but no details. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I am going to split this into two parts. So this is going to be part one. I want to do a quick trigger warning. This case does involve child abuse and neglect. Uh, you'll often see this described as a family cult. The details are very disturbing, very sad. Um, so just so everyone's on the same page, not um, not a great case and it took a lot of research and a lot of bitching on my end but today we are going to be covering the case of the Turpin children are you ready I think so I do want to say I'm glad you included whatever it's a it's a wedding photo or whatever that is what I know of this case like when you said oh it's this family I'm like is that this picture mm-hmm. like that's that's what I know yeah and i feel like this is like the photo associated with this family yeah spoiler alert it's a wedding renewal not it's a vow renewal not a actual wedding but let's go ahead and get get into it on january 14th 2018 police would receive a call from a frightened young girl and i have some of the call to listen to so if you guys want to hear it i will do my damnedest to remember to post it on all the things i don't make promises but i am going to I'm going to let Amanda listen. Oh, okay. I already know this is going to be rough. 911 calls are always rough, but when there's children involved, oh my God. So we're going to go ahead, and this is a 911 call that we're going to hear, or at least part of it. I don't know what medication is. So the snippet that I just showed Amanda. Is actually a, it it really is. It's a snippet from uh, 2020. 
In that call, a young girl calls and she tells the 911 operator that she lives in a family of 15 and that the parents are abusive. And later on, she does tell the operator that two of her sisters are chained up. So police are going to do a welfare check at the home of David and Louise Turpin. David Tur Turpin was born on October 17, 1961. He was raised in a very religious household with his brother, Randy, and their grandfather actually had been a preacher at the Pentecostal church. And I mean, from what, what all the sources I could find, he had a pretty good upbringing. Yes, he was very, very religious with their, his upbringing, but I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing, right? Like a lot of people right, like, are raised religious. Just because you're religious doesn't mean it's, it's automatically, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of a nice way to. Like a fanatic or like. Yes. Perfect. Overboard. Exactly. Right. So he described, he was described as an overall good kid. And he was very smart. He didn't find any sources that stated he was bullied or really anything. He would graduate from Princeton, Princeton High School in Princeton, West Virginia. And he would go on to study computer engineering from Virginia Tech and would graduate and accept a position out in Texas. So he's, he's a smart guy. Like he's not doing well for himself at this point in his life. Louise Ann Robinette was born on May 24th, 1968. Now, in comparison to David, Louise, she didn't have, Louise, she didn't have the best upbringing. She was also born in Princeton, West Virginia. Her family was also part of the same Pentecostal church as the Turpins. And they were a family, the Robinettes were a family that cared deeply about their family name. So much so that the family had a very dark secret that actually wouldn't be revealed to the public for many, many years. Uh, even it took a minute for it to come out after this whole case was uncovered and everything. Oh, so they had like skeletons way back in their closet. Oh, yes. I mean, they're not anymore because that secret was that Lu Louise and her sisters were reportedly raped by their grandfather. Oh, no. Oftentimes, in sources, this was described as their mother taking them to their grandfather who would abuse the children, and their mother would then collect money from her wealthy father. Uh, so she very, very, very much knew what was going on. According to the sisters and the sources that, like the sisters, cousins, all of that, that were reportedly abused by the grandfather... She very much knew what was going on. Burn in hell. Yep. And I didn't see anything other than the speculation, but people did believe that the mother was also abused as a child. So by by her father, by the same person. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. So Louise, being the oldest, she would take the brunt of the abuse and do what she could to protect her sisters. Anytime she heard her father, her grandfather ask to go to the other room for a tight hug or a big hug, she would intervene in her sister's place and she would go. So Louise is the oldest. She did what she could at the time to protect her sisters. And unfortunately, the abuse, I mean, it only gets worse after her parents divorce, according to author John Glatt. In his book, The Family Next Door, in his research, it led him to find that after Louise's father was out of the picture, 
her mother would heavily depend on her own father, so the grandfather, for financial support. So according to Louise and her sisters, they were more frequently at their grandfather's home because their mother needed the money. Do we know if their father knew about this? To my understanding, yes. He did, to some extent. He may not have known it continued, but he knew that it had happened, to my understanding. So, I mean, in my mind, he's garbage, too. Well, a lot of the family knew about this. No one ever made any police reports. They made the family keep, like, they needed to keep the family name intact. And so they never went to police. And reports even indicate that Louise's grandparents would divorce after her grandmother caught her grandfather molesting Louise on their couch. Oh my gosh. And still no reports and no one would really ever acknowledge the act. Great. So Louise, from a young age, she she kind of talked about how she would go on, have a big family, all of that fun stuff. And her sister Elizabeth claims that you know, Elizabeth was was great, but she also had a not-so-great side to her. In the House of Horrors family documentary, Elizabeth details an incident where Louise is babysitting, and Elizabeth needs help with her math homework, and Louise is getting frustrated because Elizabeth just isn't getting it for whatever reason, partly because Louise isn't fully focused on her, has other things going on, and reportedly, Louise would actually stab Elizabeth, her little sister, in the hand with a pencil. Whoa, and whoa. Liz- oh, that's okay. That's a place yeah. to go to. Yes. Um, so definitely. And Elizabeth, the little sister, she actually claims that the lead is still in her hand. Oh. So not great. And that did all come from that House of Horrors family documentary. Take it with a grain of salt there. And it was all a report from Elizabeth. Now, David and Louise, they would meet pretty early on in life. They were both part of very religious families. Uh, Eliz- not Elizabeth's, I'm sorry, Louise's family was part of the same Pentecostal church. <laughs> they were, David and Louise were familiar with one another. They had grown up together. Their parents had been good friends. The families would often go over to one another's homes for Sunday dinners or holidays. Like they, they were familiar. Now, I don't know if you did any math or heard the years that they were born, but there was a seven year difference between them. And I'm not judging age gaps. Trust me, Cody's eight years older than me. Like, I was going to say seven years isn't that bad. I think it. the main thing is what were the ages when they got together? David would admit to being attracted to Louise when she was just 10 years old and he was 17. Definitely not okay. There's a problem with that. Right. And like I said, the age gap, not really that bad when you're both fully grown adults, right? Like Cody and I met when we were both adults. This man was 17 years old. He was basically an adult and she was 10. She hadn't even reached puberty yet. They definitely had very, at those ages, they had very different uh, definitions of what a relationship was. Right. I'm not saying that they started a relationship then. He just admit to his attraction towards her then. But for me, that's, him be having going through puberty at least um, if not already mostly through he is admitting to an attraction on an adolescent that hasn't even started and i think that's where it sits wrong with most people 
No, yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Now, Louise and David, they do start a secret relationship when Louise was 15 years old. David was 22-ish at the time. David would have been attending and almost ready to graduate from Virginia Tech at this point. Some reports state that Louise would tell her mother who would actually encourage the relationship. So it was a secret from like her father and everyone else. But her mother knew and was like, yes, go ahead. He's good, good kid. I don't know what she said, but. Okay, well, we already know not to exactly trust her judgments, so. Yeah, maybe not. Louise and David, they were just so in love that when David got a job in Texas, they decided that they were going to run away together. So at the ages of 16 and 23, they did just that, and they ran away to Texas together. The night before she ran away, Elizabeth, her little sister, tells that Louise was asking her things like, how would you feel if I married David? David and I could live in a really nice house. We could have a baby, and you could come over and hold the baby. We would have a really nice house. You could spend the night with me. Like, what could go wrong? And this was a conversation while she was actually packing a duffel bag. Elizabeth, being younger, didn't really realize that what that implicated. She didn't know that that meant that Louise was planning to run away. She just was there hanging out. She didn't put two and two together. Right. And I can't remember the age gap between Louise and Elizabeth, but I think it's a pretty big age gap. I think it's like six, seven, eight years. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was enough that she wouldn't have even known that would have been the intention. Well, the next day, Louise, she goes to school like normal. David would come to the school posing as her father with like a a hat and like a mustache. He had a whole disguise on. And he would sign her out of school and they would make their way to Texas. Boy, that's a different time period because you're telling me a, what, 22-year-old put on a hat and a fake mustache and was like, ho, 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 here to collect my daughter from the school. and. She's just like, bye, guys. Different times, guys. Different times. Wow. They did this in such a way that by the time Louise's parents realized, they, I mean, David and Louise were gone. Sayonara. Now, when Louise's parents found out, they were less than happy. Her, Her dad was concerned for his juvenile daughter, but with how involved with the religion, the church, and all of this, he kind of weighed his options. He could have a daughter back that hated him and possibly had premarital sex with this man. Gasp! How dare you? you, I am clutching my pearls. Oh oh my goodness. Or his other option is that he could sign the papers for her to get married at the age of 16. No more issues. They kind of go out the door. Family names still kept kind of clean. His daughter doesn't necessarily hate him. But, you know, he can allow them to get married. And he did choose to sign the papers to allow for his 16-year-old daughter, Louise, to marry the 23-year-old David Turpin. So they return to Princeton. They get married. And that is in 1985. And they then move to Texas, where David begins working at Lockheed Martin. At what? Lockheed that might be supposed to be head. I don't know what the hell I typed. Nope. It is access, It is absolutely Lockheed Martin. I'm just, that's wild. It'll come back later. I know what that is, basically. Oh, I don't talk much about it. It's in my story <laughs> today. Oh! 
That's why, oh like, God. I had to do a double take, and I was like, "What? Wait, hold on, what? Yes. I know what that is." And that's I'll tell you, that's impressive. He, okay, he was look, working as an engineer. I mean, he graduated from college; like, he was able to land a pretty good job. And so the couple moves to Texas, and they begin to settle in and begin to live their lives together. And because David has a pretty, he's got a pretty good job. He's making pretty good money. They live a pretty lavish lifestyle. Frequently having like the best of the best, beautiful home, nice car, eating eating out, frequent vacations. They would fly Louise's family out to visit them and go do all these fun things. Just like the works. And in the early years of their relationship, David and Louise were still very devout in their religion. They were active in the church, spoke often of the gospel. Um, they actually would tell family that God had called to them for them to have a big family. So Louise would tell her family, like, David and I are going to have 12 kids. That's a, that's a number. That's, a, that's Listen, your goal? That's their goal. That's their bare minimum goal. Boy, he made real good money. Listen, here's the thing. I think everyone knows my input on children. I'm pretty sure I've said it while we've recorded. You're not supposed to let them outnumber you. Twelve children? You're looking at six to one there. No way you're winning fights. I'm nauseous just thinking about it. They can revolt. What if they mutiny? And that's my point. No. Too many. It's, guys, don't let them outnumber you, okay? You gotta have even playing ground. Look, my dad, my mom, they don't have even playing ground. They haven't since I was born, okay? Even playing ground, only do two. That's the max. Yeah, no, complete agreement here. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So, like I said, they God called to them to have all these children. And the, they really did a lot to follow what they believed in their church, though much later in their relationship, they do begin exploring other religions. Now... David was described at this time as having a bit of a temper. He could be very controlling. And Louise would actually tell family on occasion she was scared of David. Or they would notice her exhibit fear responses about simple things like being home later from the grocery store than intended. Or being out longer than intended for any reason. So maybe not a great, great indicator there. In 1988, they would actually welcome their first child, Jennifer, to the family. So Louise is just overjoyed to be a mother. And she would speak about her new baby. She would send pictures. Um, She would do whatever she could. Just to me, it seemed like she was kind of like, look how happy we are. We have this beautiful baby. Really wanted to boast about her family and all the things they had and could do for the baby. And all the nice things that they had. Just really, really proud. So it kind of sounds like this This was her, well, we already know her goal, um, but this was, this was, her goal was to be a mother. One out of 12, done. That's just. I, 11 more to go. I understand that's what God was telling you to do, but I would have missed that call, man. Listen, send it to voicemail. <laughs> not picking that up. Yeah, Lock I'll get number. back to you. Sorry. Screen it. I can't. 12 children. I'm sorry. I just. How do you even yeah. drive them to place to place? How do you have, you can have too many vans and that's still not enough seats. That's just not get true. a bus. Just get a bus. Yeah, honestly. Honestly, just get a bus, okay? <clears throat> but okay, she's got her first kid. She's she's on cloud nine. Yeah, 
yeah, they're moving along. And in 1992, they welcomed their second child, Joshua. In 1993, they welcomed Jessica. In 95, they welcomed Jonathan. So they're, like I said, they're moving right along, checking off those boxes. Okay, and they're also all J's, which I'm already confused. Yes, all of their children, their names do start with a J. All 13? All 13. No, absolutely not. Why J? Do we know why J? Um, it has something to do with biblical, biblical terms and names uh i personally didn't know that jessica was a biblical name i didn't either or jennifer i I didn't know jennifer was either um do they have a jesus no they don't you skip the best j there is (laughs) they might have been saving it okay well we'll talk about their family planning goals i think it might be next episode but we'll talk about it so in the summer of 1995 louise's older sister she actually comes to stay for the, nope, not older sister, her little sister, Elizabeth, because Louise is the oldest. Summer of 1995, Elizabeth comes to stay for the summer. She's actually really excited to come see her nieces and nephews, to see her sister. Right away, she kind of sees some really weird behavior. I mean, at this time, Jennifer is, what, seven years old? So their oldest is seven. But she does notice, like, it's kind of a, I would describe it as a military-like routine with the kids. They're not allowed to come to the dinner table until Louise has called them one at a time to come sit at the table. They had to wait for permission to sit. They had to wait for permission to even start eating. They weren't allowed to leave their rooms without permission. Like they were very, very structured. I'm not even that strict with my dog. Like, yeah, sit before you eat, but everything else, like, that's fine. You can eat. Right. Really, really strict family dynamic. Elizabeth doesn't think anything of it. She's just like, all right, this is their parenting style. Cool. Their kids are really well behaved. She's still a, she's still young at this point, right? She's still a, a kid, a teen. Elizabeth? Yeah. Uh, she had been 18 at this time. Okay. So 18, this. 18, 19. I, I could see her possibly not knowing much, you know, making much difference. Right. Right. Though I will say she she noted that there might have been some reactions that could have been fearful from the kids when getting extra food. Or like if Elizabeth tried to share snacks, it was like, no, mom's going to get mad. We can't have those. But she never witnessed Louise get upset, right? Okay. She never saw Louise like get upset with the kids about food or anything that would kind of cause those red flags. And given what they grew up going through, I could also see where she was just... She could probably chalk that up to maybe she's just being cautious. Right. And while Elizabeth stayed there, she would talk about how David would actually end up making a pass on her. And during this uh, interaction, she was like, no, that's embarrassing. Like, what are you doing? I'm very uncomfortable. And Louise was there and just kind of mocked her. Ma'am, that's not, huh? That's your sister, ma'am. That is your sister and your husband. Well, I mean, it gets worse because it escalates to a point where David and Louise break into, like, the bathroom while Elizabeth showers. And they just kind of torment her. Like, this lady. Hold hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. When you say torment her, are you talking, like, they throw cold water over the shower curtain? Well, they would kind of mock her and... How I understood, like, talk about her body, kind of, like, make her be nude in front of them. And she's like, this is not what I want to do. Oh, mom, dad, I got to come home now. Coming home. 
Um, book me a red eye. I can't stay here. Well, I mean, she does. And they start trying to implement some really weird rules onto Elizabeth. Like she couldn't go out on dates. She couldn't go out with friends. She couldn't even have friends. The weird things like this where it's like, that's your sister. I get that this is your house, your rules. But at the same time, your house, your rules, if you're agreeing for your sister to live there, you're not that strict. You're not their parent. Like yeah. You're still an adult. What are you going to do? Tell, call mom and tell her I went out? But you're going to ground me? What? No. Cool. Bye. I'm going home. By the end of that summer, though, Elizabeth had essentially been kicked out of the Turpins' home and was homeless in Texas. And this is all according to Elizabeth's recount of the story in the House of Horrors documentary. So she goes through this. She goes into way more detail than what I did. Um, but she just kind of talks about what she went through in that summer, what she experienced. But also she talks about there was nothing with the kids that would have raised a red flag. Like she didn't see them act inappropriately towards the kids. I'm sorry. They didn't even send her home. They just kicked her out and basically stranded her. Mm-hmm. Trash. Up until about 1996, Jennifer, the oldest of the Turpin children, she was allowed to go to school. Now, when she was going to school, she was always dirty. She was sent in the same clothes every single day, dirty clothes. And she she just was really, unfortunately, she was very bullied even from like first, second, third grade because kids. Kids can see that she's dirty, she smells, she's unkempt. Like, they don't they don't see what's going on behind closed doors, right? Kids are jerks. Yeah. And yeah. I was going to say, she was probably ridiculed. God bless her. Yeah, she was really skinny. Um, she was, she was kind of, yeah, she went through it. But she was always described as, like, a happy kid. Like, she was just happy to be at school and doing her thing. This wasn't noticed by the teachers, though, which I guess 96 was also a different time. But nowadays, you would think that's like a red flag for CPS. Nowadays, yes. There was nothing that I could find in any reports that teachers ever had red flags about her. Mm, okay. Which still different time. Yeah. I don't know when teachers became mandated reporters. Um Yeah. So, and it could have also just been a, maybe her family isn't doing well financially and this is mm -hmm. what they can do type of thought. Yeah. Um, I don't think they expected the level of neglect and abuse that was going on in the house. I mean, yeah, I can see that if he makes good money and they live, you know, a lavish lifestyle. Well, kind of doesn't make live a lavish yeah. lifestyle. It doesn't make sense. But at the same time, like if, if this is your house, like, Okay. It was the 90s. Jennifer, she would never, I mean, she wouldn't finish public school. The last time she was in public school was the third grade. And to my understanding, she never finished the third grade at that time. So she was mm -hmm. just pulled out and quote unquote homeschooled. Because at that time, all of the children would begin being homeschooled. Okay. I don't like your air quotes there. Well. We'll talk. In 1997, Joy Turpin, she would be welcomed into the family. 1998, Julianne. 1999, Janetta. Uh, and that brings their child count to seven at this time. 
1999, the family would move to the city of Rio Vista, Texas. And they purchase about, it's about 40 acres of land. And they move into this four-bedroom home, which, by the way, four bedrooms for seven children, two of them, like three bedrooms for seven children. That doesn't add up. Doesn't add up. It doesn't feel like enough room. And if you can get 40 acres, you can get a house with enough room for your children. Maybe they plan to add on. I don't know. Just tell me the damn story. They they add on, but not what you expect. I meant rooms, not kids. (laughs) Oh, they add on, but not the way you expect. Mm. So they they move into this area. And where they move, it's not like a big community. Like, they've got 40 acres. Guess what? Their neighbors also have 40 acres. Like, everyone in this area has acreage. And it, it's pretty isolated, very small community. But this community would actually go on to dub the Turpin House as the compound. Oh, I hate that. I don't want to be known as the compound. Oh, absolutely not. The neighbors don't really know anyone. There's not a lot of children in the area either. There's like one family that all sources, documentaries, everything focus on. Um, I decided not to put that family's name in just because to an extent, I don't feel like this family is responsible, though I do wish they would have said something. Point is, is small, small community they call this the compound because nobody knows. They just see all these children. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, they won't stop having kids. It's a compound in there. Now, while the Turpins lived in the Rio Vista home, the Turpins would welcome Jordan Turpin in 2000, James in 2002, uh, Joanna Joanna in 2003, Jolinda in 2005, Julissa in 2006. And that brings their total count up to 12 kids. Okay. Hold on. So between... Was it 85 and 96? 88 and uh, 2006. Oh, I said 96. I meant 06. I'm sorry. So 88 and 06. That's. They're popping man, they were them out. Busy. Yeah. They were. <clears throat> yeah. They didn't go out on the weekends. That's for sure. So that brings their total of kids up to 12. Nine girls, three boys. Now, while in the Rio Vista home, the Turpins. They again, they're just described as loners. The children only played with the neighbor kids on occasion and it was very limited. And when they did play, their interactions were described as really strange. The Turpin children would like make the neighborhood guess their names, like, oh, if you listen, maybe you'll figure out my name. Like, really, really weird. Yeah, that's I don't, that's strange. Yeah. One incident, the neighbor girl who would walk to the home, she she describes knocking on the door, and she's like, there's just this skinny, pale little girl with long brown hair that opens the door, stares at her, her eyes gets really wide, and then she just closes the door. Like, this is like, she this is a kid knocking on the door. So she's like, what the hell? Like, this little, this other neighbor girl just slammed the door in my face. But then the neighbor, like, the turpin child then goes around the back, looks at the neighbor girl, and then runs away to the house again. What? Why are you going? <laughs> Where are you going? Why what are you, you going around the bunny? That's not a normal reaction. If someone shuts no. the door, you do not go around to the back door. No, 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 no. The neighbor girl didn't go around to the back door. The turpin child went out the back door around to the front of the house to look at the neighbor girl and then ran back to the house. Okay, that's even weirder. Don't you have windows you can peer out of? 
they're apparently not the average millennials like you and I, where we can army crawl to go look out the windows. Oh, you could... man, ring doorbells. They are saviors. Okay. I don't have to do that. Someone knocks on the door. I pull out my phone. I head to the furthest point in the house. Where can I get away <laughs> from the door? And I open up ring. Okay. That's what they needed was a ring doorbell. Cause they did. not stealthy. This one. No, not at all. <laughs> now they did often play like the one neighborhood child was like, yeah, I played with them. Like we played at the Creek and we did all this stuff. But again, it was still really weird interactions and it wasn't long term. Like they weren't growing up best friends. It was only for a little while because her interactions with the Turpin children, they just slowly dissolve. Like they go away and the Turpins would, when she would go over this neighborhood girl, when she would go over, they just stopped answering the door. Wow. They old school ghosted her. (laughs) I know. Right. They're like not opening for you. And then in one report, when one of the neighborhood kids saw, or this little girl, the neighbor girl saw the Turpin kids, one of, she claims that one of them's like, we can't talk to her anymore. Remember, like the Turpins are saying, we're not allowed to talk to her anymore. Oh my, okay. So now we're, they didn't even ghost her. They straight up mean girled her to her face. That's not even their fault. They're just like, mom and dad said, we can't talk to her anymore. And I haven't even talked about what the kids are going through in the Turpin household. Like, we don't even, you don't even know the depths of it yet. I just feel bad for this. I don't know. I feel bad for all the kids in this situation. Yeah. Because I imagine the, the neighbor girl had some kind of guilt when she grew up and this came out about what was going on. Spoiler alert. There are a lot of neighbors or comments from people that even went to school with Jennifer while she was in school. Neighbors from every place that they live that are like, we wish we would have said something. We wish, like, we hold guilt that we didn't say something or we didn't see something. There was even a quote from one of the school children that Jennifer went to school with. And, like, he, he was also first, second, third grade. Like, he has memories. And he's like, I remember her. And I remember us being awful. And he basically goes on to say, like, Friend the Jennifer Turpins of the world because I went to home to this nice, beautiful, loving home. My parents read stories and she went home to that. Oh, God. So, and I, I haven't told you what the that is yet. So, anyways, um, so they, they're told, the kids are told that they can't talk to the neighbors anymore. And all of the neighbors, they just, they were like, okay, well, the Turpins, they're weird and they're reclusive, but no red flags yet. At least none that they would ever act on. And a big part of this is because the Turpins did portray this big family. They spoiled their children. I saw in numerous sources the story of the bicycles. David and Louise Turpin, they would buy 12 shiny new bikes for each of their kids. Well, one for each child, not 12 for each child. <laughs> 12 total bikes. Uh, they get lined up in the family's carport. And so everyone thought like, oh, we're going to see these kids out riding their bikes. Maybe we'll see more of them. And the bikes just sat in the carport and rotted with time. They were never used. Oh my god, that's I don't even know what happened to the kids at this point. Like, okay, I don't know the details of what they went through. But that alone, like so you got them all a shiny new bicycle and never let them use it. That's what I'm assuming here. Uh-huh. It sounds like it was all for show. 
Yes, a lot of what David and Louise do is for show. At least with the children, it's for show. So they knew they were doing shit wrong. I'm sure at some level they knew. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So now a lot of people might ask, what about David and Louise's families? Were they really, like, how did their families not know? Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. How did none of them know? Well, it's really easy to hide abuse when you don't live in the same state and you don't allow anyone to see your children. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty, I mean, that's a form of abuse, I believe, is like, or a form and or a stage, like ostracizing. hmm So none of the family of the extended family ever, ever really saw red flags when they did see the children. Because remember, anytime they were out in public, like no one came into their home. Let's put it that way. So no no family came into their home. They may, maybe meet at like an amusement park or at a, whatever, go out, do fun things with the kids. And it just seemed like they were a big, happy family. Like, it's mm-hmm. all for show. Now, that's, I mean, the the family, you'll hear, you if you watch any documentaries, do any reading, anything on this, you frequently hear the family saying, like, we wish we knew, we wish we could have saved these kids. Like, we and even Louise's family is like we wish we could have saved Louise like she was different after marrying David so the family truly did not know they they know no better now the conditions of the home in Rio Vista in the family's backyard 40 acres there were dumpsters just filled to the brim with garbage that just sat and rocked nothing ever happened with them they're just piled high but that smells good downwind yeah. And I actually have that in the wrong place. Um, that's fine. But the the outside of the home is not in great condition. They've got 12 rotting bikes in the carport. Neighbors can just see piles of trash pot like everywhere. Right. The family has animals. They've got pigs and all sorts of whatever's that they wanted at that time. They've got animals. The animals are not looking too great. And people don't really say much still the only time police would ever actually interact with the turpins while in rio vista was when there was a disturbance with their animals one in 2001 one of the turpin children was bit by one of the family's dogs took them a minute to get that child to medical care as well Mm -hmm. and then once in 2002 the turpins had a couple large hogs and one of the pigs escaped and ate the food like a dog food from the neighbor's house Oh. And the solution was to replace the dog food, which is an easy solution. So they never had any reason to go. Police had never, never had any reason to go to the home and investigate. Okay. I was about to say, like, what? Because <laughs> the pig and the dog food, that doesn't sound like that big a deal. Especially in comparison to everything else going on, but... If it's always happening for a neighbor, they finally were just like, call it animal control, damn it. Yeah, I didn't really care for those calls myself, but. (laughs) Now, sometime in the period that they're living in Rio Vista, Louise and David, they decide to start exploring other religions. They dabble in some witchcraft, do some Ouija boards. They start drinking. They start gambling. So even reportedly before they start exploring these other religions, Louise reportedly had already started gambling. Like she, she was like, oh, it's just my little secret. Shh, don't tell anyone. And 
so Louise already kind of reportedly has this gambling problem. And let's just say she's not good at it. So, <laughs> so that's why it's a problem. Well. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it was not a success. It was not a gambling success. <laughs> now, they start doing this. Like, even Louise does, like, looks into religions with, like, snakes and, we- like, just weird things. Like, just really weird off-the-rails things. All the while, they're living still a very lavish lifestyle. David and Louise are going out to eat. They're doing vacations, going out to gamble, taking weekends away from the kids. But the condition for the children, which did start in Fort Worth, Texas, that is now escalating in Rio Vista, it it's not great. The children at this time, they are all required to call Louise and David mother and father. The children were constantly dirty. They were not allowed to wash their hands above their wrist. If they what? got, if they went above their wrist, they would get in trouble because it was in Louise and David's eyes them playing in the water. So wait, you mean they can't wash their hand, or they can only wash their hands from wrist to elbow, or they can only wash their hands from wrist to fingertip? Wrist to fingertip. So they can't go above the wrist. So if you think about your arm. In a downward motion above the wrist. Yeah. What the heck? We're not even done. So, not allowed to do that. They were only allowed to bathe once a year. <gasps> Though, they were allowed to regularly brush their teeth. I guess personal hygiene has no place in this household, but dental hygiene does. I don't want to smell your breath, but I will smell your BO. Ew. I don't, I don't know why. Um, the children, with that being said, they're filthy. They are forced to wear the same unwashed clothes day in and day out. If they ever did any sort of outing with the family, they would be given fresh clothes to go out for the day so that no one no one ever thought that there was going to be an issue. I guess they never looked at their elbows. Maybe that was the day that they got a bathe that year. Oh, joy. But... When they got home, though, they'd be forced to put on the dirty clothes. They would not be washed, no. Lord have mercy. Um, there were locks on cabinet doors, on the refrigerator. Basically, anything with food was locked away. Um, and actually, locks were more than just on food. Closets, toy chests, and anything else that David and Louise wanted to keep their children out of had a lock on it. And while they might have had a room set up to be a homeschool for the kids, I'm going to tell you right now, there was no homeschooling happening. None Shocking. whatsoever. Shocker. Now, if the children were to diso- disobey or really do anything to upset their parents, they would be punished. At this point, they would be start being called suspects by David and Louise. So the things that the children could do to become these suspects could range from stealing food, washing their hands too high up, getting past that wrist, playing with prohibited toys, stealing of any sort, being in forbidden rooms, or just really doing anything David and Louise did not agree with. Oftentimes reports stated that their reasoning like to the children were that were like biblical. They could they would try to quote the Bible and say, we're doing this because the Bible and God tells us to and things like that. Meanwhile, they're over here playing with a Ouija board and yeah, 
worshiping snakes. I don't really know what they're doing. Okay. But with all of that being said, like they basically told the children, hey, we're in charge. God and the Bible tell us we can do this stuff. Some sources said it was even to the extent where they kind of told their kids, hey, we are your mother and father. And per the Bible, we can kill you if we have to. I don't think that's true. I don't, I I haven't read the Bible end to end. I've heard passages here and there, but I just don't think the Bible says, yeah, go ahead and kill your kids. I'm going to call bullshit on that. I feel like at the very least, you have to have a valid reason. And washing your elbow is not a valid reason. I don't think that's what he meant. Yeah. I, I don't know much about the Bible. If you guys are like super into the Bible, can quote some verses that tell me that I will be, I will fact check you and go, I will go buy a Bible so I can fact check you. <laughs> fact check you. Um, I'll probably Google it. I will buy a Bible. <laughs> Cause I feel like Google could be wrong sometimes. So, and it could be maybe an inter- interpretation type of thing. I don't, uh, I don't know. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to say the Turpin children are not having a great life at this point. When Jordan Turpin was, age six she would actually tell authorities like not at the age of six she tells them but she tells them when i was six gotcha there was a lot of starving so she just recalls just being hungry just at the rio vista home so much so that she was resorting to eating ketchup or mustard or ice or eating grass and leaves she was just hungry oh my god that breaks my heart i can only imagine that was the other children too so they were very much being starved as well. And so if they did do anything against David and Louise's rules, like stealing food because they're fucking hungry, there were punishments. Um, as punishment to any of the quote unquote suspects, Louise and David had a lot of things. The children would be beaten, thrown around the room, hair pulled, some said hair pulled out. Ugh. Uh, Jennifer Turpin would state that if she did just one small thing wrong, she would be beat until she bled. Oh my God. Yeah. So I can only imagine that that's for all of the children. Now, David and Louise, they're like, we got to figure out how to control these, these kids. They're out of control. They're stealing food because they're hungry. This is nonsense. Which, let's let's be real, their whole thought process is nonsense. But they decide they're going to rig a cage. The first cage is created, you know the material that you see in like garages or workshops that like have holes in it and can hold tools or you can put like hooks in to hold tools? Pegboard. Yeah, that. I yeah. know what it was called. I guess. But so. they they create um, they create a cage out of this and they make this so it's a big enough to hold two children, but, like, you split it in half. So, like, mm-hmm. one on one side, one on the other. And each cage has, like, a slit at the bottom so food can be slid into the cage. Cries that they're feeding their children. And this cage setup doesn't last long. And it's because one of their children finds a way to escape that, sh- that cage. Um, and so David and Louise are like, well, we'll just do plan B. And they just turn to, like, small pet cages, like wire dog crates. Something that's, like, three feet by three feet at most. And they just 
lock their children up in these cages for potentially extended amounts of time, weeks, possibly months. I have no words. When, when I'm, I'm just kind of curious <clears throat> and you might not, you might not know the answer to this, but um, when God told them to have 12 kids, did he tell them to treat them like this as well? He told them apparently that they could treat them like this, according to the Bible. No report said that he was like, yes, please treat your children like this. Because I'm going to say, I don't think God told them any of this. I think yeah. God was like, maybe have a couple kids. 12 is a lot, dude. I'm wondering if the lines didn't get crossed somewhere and maybe possibly God wasn't talking to them. Maybe it was someone well, else. Maybe God tried calling and they started screening the calls because God was like, please, for the love of God, stop having kids. Like, you're not yeah. treating them well. Please stop. Three is enough. You're you're yeah. done. Actually, give away. Find a new home for the kids you have now. No. Find somebody trustworthy to find a new home for the kids you have now, actually. And don't have any more ever. Yeah. So that's when David and Louise started screening God's calls. They're like, this is why we're looking into other religions. Um, I figured it out. There you go. That's why. Oh, the snakes told them to do it. Yeah. Well, no, the snakes were like, you made a good decision screening God's calls because God was telling you to stop. I'm telling you to keep going. Mm -hmm. So not great. They would allow the children out like once a day to eat, brush their teeth and use the restroom if they had not already defecated in the cage. Oh, how, how nice of them. Oh, very nice of them. Now escapes. The children did think about it. They they knew they weren't in a... Most of them knew they weren't in a great situation. And there was at least one occasion where Jennifer Turpin did try to escape. Uh, to my understanding, and I couldn't get a lot of very clear details on this, she was an adult at least 18 years old at the time. She had made it into the town, tried to get a job, and when she realized she didn't even know what a job was, how to work... Like, she didn't know anything or even how to get a job, how to get her birth certificate... She just ends up calling her mom and Louise would pick her up and take her home. Oh, no. That's got to be, like, that's got to be just terrifying. Like, you made it. You're free. And then. Right. But you were so sheltered. You know nothing. I wouldn't call this sheltered. She was isolated. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Much better word. Now, again, let's touch on the family of Louise and David. How did they really not know any of this was going on? Were by this time they're starting to get into, you know, Facebook and Skype and video chats and all these things. Again, it's really not hard to hide when you live states apart. Anytime the family did visit, the kids were they were putting on a show so that they didn't get in trouble. Families, I mean, they were just like, look, David was lanky when he was growing up. The kids are lanky, no big deal. Genetics. There's a difference in lanky and hungry. Well, I'm not arguing that. By the time the family's in Rio Vista, like, family visits had really slowed down quite a bit. Like, no one's really coming to visit them. And for a while, they did a lot of Skyping with family. Um, or, you know, it was always specified as Skype. But the calls kind of tapered down. They would become more and more infrequent. But even before that, when they were pretty frequent, Louise would set up video calls, but only one or two of the children at a time would be allowed to interact on the calls. 
and no one thought anything right like they just thought okay the other kids are off playing in their rooms and these ones are the ones yeah. available and they just didn't see anything that caused the red flag so i want to stress that the family i think if the family had been more involved in the children's lives they definitely would have been like hey red flag hey that's another red flag but they just were kept at an arm's length like they were kept further than an arm's length they were kept at a state's length yeah and like you said they didn't see anything out of the ordinary because even when you're skyping you're still controlling what those people can see. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure they were never on Skype like, oh, this is the cage we keep the kids in when they're bad. Look at, look at the one that's in the cage yeah. now, you know. I'm yeah. sure they weren't on there doing that. And on top of that, like, I've already mentioned, the kids were being abused. They were being physically abused. I am sure the children that were allowed on camera were the ones that didn't have any visible injuries. Yeah. Or they were covered or something. They they obviously right. they they got away with it for so long they knew what they were doing. They they did. Unfortunately. So in two thousand and seven, the family they buy a trailer, a mobile home, and they place it behind their home. And they move the whole family in. So they have the house in Rio Vista on the forty acres. They buy a mobile mobile home, put it in the backyard and move everyone in. Everyone what? move in. Why? David and Louise, they didn't have any intention of living in this trailer with their children. So instead, the two of them moved to a town about 50 miles away, taking Jolinda and Julissa with them. Jolinda and Julissa were the youngest two. What did you do? Okay. They left their 10 other children there to fend for themselves. David would bring groceries for the 10 in the trailer on about a weekly basis. Not enough groceries to feed 10 children. Food was so limited, it, it just, it was not enough. So David and Louise, they unfortunately, though, still had full control of the children. These children all live in a state of fear, right? They don't know anything different. Most of them don't know anything different. They don't know what the outside world is like. They don't know to call police. They don't know to call for help. They don't know that this is not normal. Yeah. And so... A lot of them stay out of fear. The older ones talk about we stayed for our siblings because we knew, like, I could leave. But what does that mean for my siblings? So. That's, oh my gosh, I can't. Oof. And even at that, the older siblings still don't even know how to work and get jobs and do all of these things that a typical person is growing up learning how to start those. Like, I had my first job at 14 years old. And I had yeah. my parents help getting that. Like everyone helped me walk through that process. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. But these kids don't have that. They have no concept of that. They have the exact opposite. Like their parents worked to keep them helpless yep. and dependent. Yep. And this is kind of where that family cult comes in. That David and Louise conditioned these children. They conditioned them so that they would do what David and Louise wanted. They wouldn't run away. They were essentially, to an extent, brainwashed. Like, they they didn't know what else to do. Yeah. So, David and Louise, they still have full control of their kids. Um, often, the older children, Jennifer, I believe Joshua, um, they were instructed to punish the younger children. Oh, no. And 
they would cage their siblings and they would do what they had to. Now, before anyone says anything about that, they also knew the consequences for them. So Jennifer and the older ones, I want to say it was Joshua, while they might have done this, put their siblings in cages, they also knew that if they didn't, that punishment comes back on them. Yeah. So for me, there's a lot of self-preservation for them as well. Yeah, like you said, self-preservation, they... They're like they do what they know. Yeah, they're between a rock and a hard place. They don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. They really don't. Now, in this time frame, I mentioned that David is—he's dropping off groceries for him regularly, at least once a week. But most reports state that Louise did not even visit her kids in four years. Okay, um, you wanted them, though, and she was sure proud every time like every article when it talked about her having another kid it was her being beaming with joy like she was so excited wanted to show off the baby so excited and then she just abandons them so where did that excitement go did she just want a baby and then once they weren't anymore it's just like eh, i could do without this she's just cuckoo kachoo like she's crazy I don't, okay, I just, yeah. I didn't think I could like them any less, and somehow I'm just liking them less and less. It could be, also, that in 2008, when Louise turned 40, she had a bit of a midlife crisis. Okay, looking forward to hearing about this. She, we already mentioned she started drinking. Uh, She starts drinking more. Uh, She starts going to clubs, partying. Louise and David would start exploring the swinger lifestyle. Ma'am. Look, if that's your lifestyle, go ahead and do it. Like, I don't yeah, care. Go be swingers. But don't be weird about it. That, don't bring more people into your chaos. Oh, they, they're bringing more people into their chaos. Oh, God. And, like, it's so bad. Like, Louise tells her sister, one of her sisters, that, oh, we met this man and... David is driving me up to this hotel across state lines so that she can go sleep with him. And she's going to record her sleeping with this other man for David. And David's on board with all of this. Is uh, Does the man know? Yeah. He's aware. Not of the children. Not about the children. He's aware that Louise is married and that it's being recorded for David. Okay. I mean, I guess if that's your thing, that's your thing. But... I still feel like you have priorities elsewhere. Well, let's make this a little more weird, because a year after that encounter, David and Louise reportedly returned to the same hotel, same hotel room, so that they can be intimate in the same bed. On purpose. Yes. Uh, what? And again, if the swinger lifestyle's for you, that's fine, but... It just feels like it escalated real quick. Like, you guys didn't dip your toe in the water. It kind of feels like Louise was like, come on, David, we're going in. Are they okay? Like, mentally, physically, are they okay? Do we know? Really, give a shit if they're physically okay. Mentally, oh, no, I don't give a shit I'm, about that. You said you asked physically. Okay. Um, mentally, I'm going to say no matter what, my answer is going to be no, because I've already told you what they're doing to their children. I just feel like, like, is there something mental that I should give them 
a little leeway on this for like this lifestyle. Okay, well then this is odd. This is my opinion. I'm not a medical professional. What they did does not deserve any leeway. Period. End of story. No leeway granted. Okay. And so, as far as I'm concerned, what they did was real, real shitty. But, you know, it's just really weird. Now, we're going to talk more about the neighbors. For while David and Louise are out partying, having fun, having the times of their lives, swinging it up, did the neighbors notice that the kids were home alone? No. They, they didn't really suspect anything. First of all, the trailer is behind the house. They don't necessarily see David and Louise's Louise's comings and goings. And even if the neighbors did suspect anything, some of them talked about, you know what, we didn't say anything out of fear, too. And this was fear of David Turpin. They knew David Oden. Yes. Oh, that's right. You said he was known to have a temper. Yep. He was known to have a temper. They knew that he owned a gun. They knew he had a temper. He would stand in the driveway and shoot at cans. And there is one set of neighbors who I, again, I've opted to keep their na- their names out of this in Rio Vista. It's very easy to find their names if you look. I just, again, don't think that they are responsible for what happened, though I do wish they would have had the courage to call police. But this one set of neighbors did actually debate reporting the family to police. They just ultimately decided that their family safety needed to be their priority. So they tried. They, I mean, they thought about it. They didn't try. They were like, look, do we do we report this? Do we report our concerns? Their concern was that David's anger would be kind of directed back towards them. And they had kids. And they were like, we need to protect our kids and ourselves first and foremost. That's okay. See, that's, <clears throat> that's tough, too. So I, I can right. feel that. And that's why I'm saying I didn't want to put their names in here just because out of respect for them and the very difficult position they were in as well as the guilt they openly feel. Like, they admit yeah. to feeling guilt. I don't think that's a reason to drag them through, though I don't love that they didn't report it because they could have done it anonymously. It, it is, that's where we are. So They could have done it anonymously, but also one of those things, like, depending on what you report, <clears throat> David could very well know, like, oh, well, this happened with that specific family. Right. So I... I so, I feel you on that. Like it's yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm really torn because I do wish they would have reported it, but I understand their perspective of we need to protect our family. It's easy for us to sit here and be like, "Why didn't you say anything?" When it's not us and our family potentially in danger for reporting or not reporting something. Right, and that's why I'm like, oh, 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 so. Again, if you guys really want to look up their names, they're they're basically the only neighbor that openly speaks about the whole situation. Really easy. I just don't think it's necessary. So in 2010, David and Louise, they return to the trailer to collect their children and the family heads west to California. And with the turbans being so reclusive, none of the neighbors even knew they were gone until some reports said months later. So why why do they basically abandon their kids and then keep going back for them? I don't that's the part I don't understand. Like image, family name. Oh Louise yeah. Louise had that 
that ingrained that, oh, my family name. And if she abandons her kids, it's not going to be a good look on her and her family name. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad that's what kept you going. At least that's what I am going to speculate. Because I am not a professional. I don't know why they kept going back. Yeah. Okay. Or kept having kids in general. I I don't know. So... When neighbors finally realize the turpins are gone, like they didn't see moving trucks, they didn't see them packing, they didn't see like parties, of, you know, they didn't see anything. They didn't see anything to indicate they were moving. And so finally, some of the neighbors, when they were like, they're gone, they're totally gone. Curiosity gets the better of them. And they decide to go look around the turpin property. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would do, probably do the same thing. Mm-hmm. The property, the home, the everything was left in just a state of disrepair. Let's stop at the trailer first, because that was their first stop. Any living animals that were left in the trailer had been surviving off of dirty diapers. Oh, my God. Some reports state that the family dogs that were abandoned had been living this way for weeks. Other sources state that it had been the better half of a year. Oh, no. So how accurate that is, I'm not sure. It could be um, some of them read as though the dogs were in the house living this way. And then when they were freed from the house, after a couple of weeks of being abandoned, they then continued living off of dirty diapers until that better half of the year. I just never could find any clarity on that. If they lived off of, can you imagine how many dirty diapers had to have been there? If that's how they, if that's what they were eating to survive? The trailer was covered in diapers and garbage that was waist deep. Oh my. I was not expecting that. I didn't know what to expect. That wasn't it. Uh That wasn't waist deep. That's what the report said was waist deep. Whose waist? I don't know. I'm hoping it was a baby's waist. At least. I'm hoping Annie's waist at most. Like that was what they're considering waist deep. But I'm getting the feeling they're meaningful, grown-ass, adult, wasty. So three to four feet high, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess two and a half to three feet high. That's Regardless. Oh, boy. <clears throat> well, they also found... Dad, I'm so sorry. I know you you hate this. But they did find feces all over the walls and floors. Oh, were you about to take a bite of food? Yeah. I was thinking about it. But now I'm trying to figure out why? Was it was it thrown? Was it was there just nowhere else to go? Mirrored everywhere. Oh, these kids are having to live in this. Mm-hmm. Kids and animals. Mm-hmm. The neighbors found beds with ropes attached to the headboard and footboards cages everywhere but they just assumed those cages were used for livestock animals that the family had scratches on the doors and the verbiage was specifically deep scratches scratches Um, on the doors is chilling yep now that was in the trailer in the abandoned house they found basically the same but in this house they did discover the remains of animals The bathroom floor in this house was rotted out. There were holes in the walls and ceilings. They found strange vents in the main 
main room, and many people speculated that these vents in the main room were one of many ways David and Louise Turpin would torture their kids, and that was a cell of sorts, a cage. Like a vent, like an almost like an air duct, like a vent? That's, yeah. Yeah. These people are, how does your brain even go there? They were living 50 miles away in a luxury apartment. They didn't care. They were just awful people, okay? Um, Anyways, the neighbors said that the smell was putrid. Oh, can't imagine. Um, Now, on the outside of the property, there was a truck overflowing with trash as well. There was trash everywhere. Did they just not have a trash service? Like, did someone not come pick up the garbage at your house? They had 13 kids. They didn't want to have one garbage can for each of them. That's too expensive. Throw it out in the truck. You can, you can be, pull the truck to the end of the driveway, okay? And give the trash man, like, 20 bucks extra a day. That's that not enough. That costs money. That's that costs enough. money. They're not doing it. Oh, my gosh. So, they noted that this truck was full of diapers and empty Vienna sausage cans. The fact that they noticed how many Vienna sausage cans means that there were a lot, and that's probably what the kids were surviving off. Oh my gosh. They could see all sorts of critters running around in the mess everywhere, both inside and outside. And they also found some Polaroids. One Uh of the Polaroids depicted a bed with metal rails and a rope tied to it. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it for today. On the Polaroid? Yep. So we'll talk about this again next episode. I'm going to give you guys exactly seven days to recuperate from what was just discussed. Um, I would apologize, but I had to read it at Amanda's request. Now you have to hear it at Amanda's request. <clears throat> oh, boy. Um. Anyways, yeah, that's where I'm leaving it today. Hope you're uh, not too mad at me. I hate it, but I knew that I would. Mm-hmm. In my defense, this is almost exactly halfway in my notes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? It seemed like a great spot to end. This is probably the shorter of my two parts. Um, As you go right in, you're like, I'm done. We're done talking about this today. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I'm trying to get my mind off of it, really. Child abuse is just it's a whole nother beast to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's all bad all the time. It's awful. It's it's um I don't know how parents can do any of this to their children. No. I don't know how a person can do this to another person. Yeah, much less, like you said, a parent to to children. A children child. that you want. That you you, you you made them. You wanted them. You God told for you them. to have them. Yeah. You had 12 kids in what was it, 18 years. You worked for that. Oh. Um, well, you already know what I'm doing. So Oh yeah. I'm excited too. Well, I wrote this. I wrote this part before I told you. So have you ever heard of Groom Lake and Homey Airport? Nope. What about Paradise Ranch? Rings a bell, but I don't know why. Dreamland? Not Michael Jackson. 
damn, I was about to say. <laughs> what about Edwards Air Force Base? Yes. Oh, you have. Oddly enough, I've heard that one, yeah. Okay. So all of these places are more commonly known as Area 51. I'm so excited. Area 51, it was established in 1952 by a company called Lockheed. At the time, it was called Lockheed Martin, and it was an aerospace company. Which is why when you said he worked for Lockheed Martin, I was like, back up, hold on. That yeah, so here's here's the thing going back. He was a smart dude. He was working as an aerospace engineer. He was making yeah. good freaking money. Yeah. And then you're talking about Lockheed, and that's perfect timing, okay? Yeah, that's funny how that panned out. We did not plan that. We're just good at this. So Area 51, it's built, built. It was uh established. About 120 miles northwest of Las Vegas, and is close to the towns Rachel and I think it's Hico. Might be Hico. I forgot to Google it. Um, but it was originally called Paradise Ranch, and they called it Lockheed specifically called it this to draw employees to work there. And I feel like we as humans should be insulted by this because. Did we not learn anything from Eric the Red and Greenland? False advertising. Exactly. But people worked there, apparently. From what I could find, it's unknown where the name Area 51 comes from. Some people claim that maps used by the Atomic Energy Commission referred to the location that the base is on as Area 51. Other sources stated that that info was inaccurate and that the Atomic Energy Commission would never even use Area 51, like use that number specifically. And it said that on the map, the block of land that was next to Area 51 was Area 15. So even the maps, it wouldn't make sense for that to be Area 51. 51 sounds better than 15, okay? I agree with you. Now, the military, they do not use the name Area 51 allegedly. I say allegedly because according to the military, it's called the Nevada Test and Training Range. Are you telling me y'all say that every single time? No, they absolutely do not. They, there's no way. They, Area 51 is so much quicker. So much quicker. Nevada Test and Training Range? No, I'm already tired. They probably just call it A51. Like... Hey, you going to A51 today? Cool. Cool, me too. You know? But maybe it's just officially. They're like, we officially have to call yeah. it. Okay, Nevada. so that's what that's what the officers call it. They call it the Nevada Test and Training Ring. That's only what they call it in written documents. In meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. When they're when they're on the clock. Mm-hmm. They go home and go, honey, Area 51 today was a shit show. Let me just tell you about it. It was horrible. We couldn't get the scanners to work. It was the it was a whole ran thing. Amok. Yeah, I'm you sorry. Know. I can't tell you about it. Just trust me when I tell you. <laughs> it was tr- it was just a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned earlier, Area 51 is a part of Edwards Air Force Base. We, um, you know, civilians and conspiracy theorists call it Area 51. So that's what I'm probably going to call it. 
for the majority because of this. That's the correct name for it. Yeah, because I'm not calling it the Nevada Test and Training Range. That's too much. Um, while the base itself is pretty small, question mark, because it's not small. Um, but in comparison, the base is small because the restricted area around the base is over 90,000 acres. Who needs that many acres? In the freaking desert. I mean, I guess it is in the desert. They're like, no one's going to live here. Claim it. It's fine. Well, one source, from what I read, they were just flying around looking for a place to put this top secret military base. And they flew over this dried up lake. And this guy that was in charge of this, he was like, hey, land there. And when they landed on it, they said it was the it was like the perfect nature made runway. Because it was it was hard. It wasn't just like soft dirt. So they were like, Groom Lake, here it is. It's dried up. It's not here anymore. Put a building on it. You know what? Not to be that person, but clearly, clearly climate change is a thing. Because that used to be a lake. So if it becomes a mm-hmm. lake again, that's going to really suck for Area 51. Yeah. Hopefully it never has. Hopefully they never have to deal with that. I mean, it is the freaking desert. I don't know where they're going to find that much water. It used to have that much water. It used to. But can it hold it now? Climate change, baby. You know what? I bet it snows there this winter. I'm calling it. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> speaking of specific names, the airspace around Area 51 that is referred to Restricted Area 4808 North, or RA-4808 North. Yeah, even the airspace has a song name. Guys, it's just Area 51. Let's just simplify it. Please. Uh, so, as almost everybody knows, what goes on at Area 51, not made public, um, but the Air Force, the United States Air Force, maintains that the base is an open training range. It's most commonly thought that experimental weapons and aircraft are developed and tested here. We know for a fact that the U-2 spy plane was born in Area 51. Nowadays, the base and complex are part of the Nevada National Security Site, or the NNSS. The CIA refers to it as Groom Lake and Homey Airport. Again, Area 51 feels shorter, but you do you, I guess. Just Guys, let's just simplify it. Can we stop? This is why nobody knows anything about this place, because there's seven trillion names for it. And every, nobody can call it. How does the CIA even work with the Air Force? They're like, the CIA is like, oh, I got to go to a Groom Lake and Homey Airport. And the Air Force is over here like, what the hell is that? Like, this is the Nevada testing and training site, or testing and training. I can't even remember, okay? It's just Area 51. Stop it. It's, wouldn't it just make life easier if we're like, hey, let's just unify our names here. This, this is Area 51. That's what we're going to call, or you know what? If you don't want to go with Area 51, let's make up a cooler name. I don't know what's going to be Area 51, but. I don't either. Area 52? There's one of those. Oh. oh. <laughs> Area um, 97. 
Um, I haven't seen any of those. Done. Let's do it. <laughs> so now it's area 97. <laughs> According to us. So area 97. Never been officially declared a secret base. But you have to have the highest possible security clearance in the United States to enter this base. You gotta be like super important. And it's so secretive. Okay, Bryce. It's so secretive. Do you know how people get to work every day? Do I want to know? They don't drive. They fly in. They fly. They catch they catch an airplane. A plane. They catch no a plane. Deal. No biggie. Just let me hop on my private jet for this morning and fly on into work. Oh, they're not Got that special. It's still a Boeing. It's, it's a passenger plane. And the passenger oh. plane is called Janet. Or Janet Airlines. Let me just hop on Janet today. No big deal. <laughs> Bye, honey. I got to go see Janet. Me and Janet got a special thing going on today. <laughs> uh, it's operated by the U.S. Air Force. You want to know how much worse that would be if, like, the husband's ex ex's name was Janet? <laughs> and he tells the wife every day, got to go see Janet. Just, no. I'm just saying. I've been watching too many TikToks that are, like, the Reddit stories. That's just insult to injury. Like, what if he cheated on her with a woman named Janet? Ooh, or point. what if you're the second wife, but he's widowed? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, rough. Yeah, not clear skies. No. Anyways, back to what you were saying. Yeah, we're sorry, done with Janet. Talk. <clears throat> oh no, I'm still talking about Janet. So, she, the plane is unmarked except for a red line down down the plane, like where the windows are. And Janet, we don't know what that means. Again, it's said to mean either just another non-existent terminal. Or Joint Air Network for Employee Transportation. I'm going to say it's probably the second one by Air Force's standard, but the military standard is the, the first one. Another source said that the officer that was like, hey, here's an idea. It's a plane that we fly people in called Janet. Uh, the officer literally just named it after his wife, which is like kind of sweet. But also a little weird. Do you think that they can just like do big letters on it? Just Janet? Like we already know. Yeah. How many planes are. Because I put a picture up of Janet. That's Janet. That's one of the Janets. No other planes are like that. Like there's no more. It is a white plane with a red stripe down the side. That's it. Just put her name on there. Right on the tail, Janet. Yeah. Do it maybe in like pink and purples. Oh, some tribal? Put some flowers around it. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe some hearts or something. I don't know. Do some. <laughs> Give her a tramp stamp. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> Give Janet the tramp stamp she deserves. That's it. We're going to do it. Get your um <laughs> get your spray paint. Oh, we're grounded. Hey, Dad, do you think that we can go spray paint Janet yeah. on this 
plane really quick. It'll be while quick. she's It'll grounded. Be... Yeah. yeah, we're all grounded. We're staying yeah. on the ground. Yeah. So we're not leaving. We're not. We're not. We're not going up in the air. They're definitely not letting me on that thing. <laughs> I do <laughs> not have any security clearance, actually. They're, we're going to be like, we're from Tell on Hills podcast. And they're going to be like, I don't care. Leave. They're going to be like, no, you, you don't can't understand. be here. <laughs> you don't understand. We need to, we need to interview Janet. <laughs> yeah, this I'm here to see you. I have an appointment. With Janet. And they're going to be like, yeah. Janet, who the hell's Janet? The plane? She's the- got, she's got red stripe. Yeah. We brought our paint cans. We're ready. She wants a manicure. She wants a tramp stamp. And we're here to provide. Okay, we're here. Go we, team, go. Don't worry. I'm not That's leaving until want. Janet has a tramp stamp. We don't even want to get on her and fly anywhere. We want to decorate her. Yeah, matter of fact, I'm grounded. I can't go anywhere, but <laughs> I, I still have a job to do. Exactly. So the planes fly a uh, couple different people. All of them work at either Area 51 or Area 52. But the people there, Department of Defense, citizens, military personnel, and or contracted employees, and they get on this plane at the Las Vegas Harry Reid International Airport at a private terminal that says it's on the west side. That's it. That's all I got. I didn't look any further. I'm not going to tell you if I did because I don't want the government coming after me. Now, next time I fly into Vegas or out of Vegas, I'm going to be walking west. Where's Janet? Walking west (laughs) and looking for a red striped plane. And I'm going to be like, where's Janet? (laughs) I just want a picture. She's famous. Oh, I do want. If you ever send me a picture, you know, in front of the airport windows and there's a red striped plane behind you, I'm going to be like, it's framing it. (laughs) Frame it. That's Bryce and Janet forever. It's going to be right next to the bird picture. No, what you have to do when you see her, you have to prepare and you have to get a tramp stamp. So we can have you showing your tramp stamp next to Janet and her tramp stamp. <laughs> Done. My tramp stamp's <laughs> going to say Janet for life. I love it. <laughs> but it's got to be L-Y-F-E. Yes. And it's the number four not spelled mm-hmm. out. You know what? The Y can be the shape of a plane. Done. Perfect. Done. Okay. We got it. Draw it up. You know I'm double grounded now, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Dad, I know. I hear you. Lifetime. I got it. I don't listen. It's You raised me. Look, the good thing is we're like, what, three or four weeks out? We've got time to do this, and then it'll just be too late. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to know. Yeah, until next month. Don't tell him. Um. The. <laughs> Janet flies to either Area 51 or Area 52. Area 52 is the Tonopah test range. Yeah, never heard of it. All these test ranges? I never even knew there was an Area 52. So, obviously, I googled it. According to Wikipedia, the Tonopah test range is currently used for nuclear weapons stockpile reliability testing, research and development of fusing and firing systems, and testing nuclear weapon delivery systems. So, one's for aliens, one for nuclear weapons. It's cool. It's fun. No big deal. I did find reports of only one accident for Janet Airplane Airlines. 
And this was on March 16th, 2004 at approximately 4.01 p.m. No, wait. If it's military time, I think that would be a.m. What it wasn't it clear. It said 4.01. So that leads me to believe it's a.m. A.m. I would assume so. Um, while approaching the runway, the pilot of the plane, and they were landing, he reported that he had the runway in sight and he started flying in a circle, preparing to land the plane when he became incapacitated due to sudden cardiac arrest. And apparently, he had a history of high blood pressure, and he never reported it. Sir, that's just dangerous. We can't be crashing Janet here. Oh, he he absolutely did. Uh, the plane entered a dive during the turn. It crashed to the ground and burst into flames, and the five people on board all lost their lives in the crash. Okay. Sir... Listen, I go ahead, have have your medical needs. Just let's make sure we're being safe about things. Like this is why people with certain eyesight can't drive. Like if you're blind, you don't get to operate vehicles. And if you have history with high blood pressure that could cause potential heart attack, maybe be very careful and probably best to report it. Um he was also flying to Area 52 as well. So, fiery crash near nuclear weapons uh, doesn't feel great. Right. The U.S. government, <laughs> they refused to acknowledge the existence of Area 51 until June 25th, 2013. And that's when... The formerly classified CIA documents were released to National Security Archive at George Washington University after a Freedom of Information Act request was filed in 2005. So even then, they were they requested it in 2005, and the government was like, "It's 2013. I guess you can have this document that says this place exists." They requested it in 2005, and they were like, "Here, 2013. Eight years later, sure, you can have it." Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the hoops that they're like, we requested this eight years ago, guys. You haven't given us a reason. You want to talk about hoops. Okay, so I didn't put this in my notes because I couldn't find, I couldn't find very many sources on it. So, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Okay. So, top secret airbase. Basically, when things are destroyed, at Area 51, what they did was dig a trench, and regardless of what it is, if it's chemicals, if it's computers, if it's files that they're destroying, they throw it in this trench, slather it with jet fuel, and set it on fire, and that's how they destroy things. Honestly, what better way to destroy things? My only concern with that is more the chemicals. Like, what are those chemicals doing to the air? What what are we what are oh. we doing here? Well, I'm um, glad you asked. Um, because this trench, Bryce, this trench, it was dug upwind instead of downwind. Cause, cause I don't know. I, I would assume people would put thought into this, but in the nineties, people were out there burning stuff, you know, doing their jobs, what they're paid to do. And they got really sick and they, a couple of them went to the doctor. One man specifically went to the hospital. And they told him, they were like, you have 
some kind of chemical burn, we need to know what it, you know, we need to know what kind of chemical you were working with in order to treat you. So he goes to work and the government's like, no, we can't tell you that. This is Area 51. Yeah. We do not tell our employees mm-hmm. what could be causing them to be sick. Yeah. That's basically the stance they took. And that man lost his life. Okay, hear me out, though. If that's the case, don't you think they would have, like, an on-base doctor that would be like, okay, I am privileged enough to know what, you, what you're what you working with, or I can get that information, whether I have to go through whatever, but wouldn't you just have, like, an Area 51 doctor, like, A1 doc, and have him on base for this type of shit? At the very least, a medic, right? Something. Or, like, make the doctor sign a, a DNA? No, not a DNA. What is it? DN- <laughs> make him sign your DNA. Sign your DNA here! Just use your DNA to sign! <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <clears throat> Non-disclosure? Yeah, that's it. An NDA, not a DNA. Yeah. I mix my... It's late, guys. It's 10 o'clock. Boy. Um... Yeah, make him sign an NDA something. But no, they they refused to tell them this man lost his life. And other people got sick, too. So on... They refused to tell them, too? Well, on this man's behalf, and because they are all sick, more people got together, and they sued them. And uh, basically... That's what I wanted to find, some kind of court document. I don't know if it's on purpose, but I could not find that information. But I'm sure sure that is classified. Considering um, from what my source said, throughout the court case, throughout the trial, these people were basically saying like, hey, we were working with these really dangerous chemicals. The government built the trench upwind, so we're having to breathe this in as we burn it, and we don't know what this is. And the government's like, that trench doesn't exist. What are you talking about? There's no base there. That's not real. Well, that was the whole trial. The government's really just gaslighting them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the government's like, you have no proof. Yeah, they're like, no, there's no base in the desert, silly. Oh my gosh, you don't work at Area 51. Duh. To Area 50 what? (laughs) What? Never heard of that. So wait a minute, you're telling me there's a military base in a lake in the desert? Come on. Is it floating? Come on, guys. Like, yeah, there can't be a base in the lake. I bet you believe in Atlantis, too, don't you? Do you believe aliens are there too? How ridiculous, guys. <laughs> Do you believe in magic? In a young girl's heart. <laughs> I'm so glad you went there because that's what I wanted. <laughs> yes, I do believe in magic in a young girl's heart. So I'll try to find, I'll try to look more for that because like Bryce said, mine is also a two-parter. I'll try to look more into that. And if I can find it. I'll mention it in part two. I'll start part two with it because I really wanted to find info on that. Because what the hell, government? I'm sure that probably ended up as like a settlement and all the court documents are sealed. 
it would not surprise me. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure there's just a plethora of DNAs and settlements just being thrown around the place. Well, someone's DNA is being thrown around the place. <laughs> um, I, but it kind of surprises me that it even got to the point of a trial. Even if they're trying to deny, don't you mm-hmm. think they would want less publicity on it? Yes, but also how do you settle? Because if you're sick and they won't tell you how to get treated for the sickness, would you just settle? Because settle has to be on both I, sides, right? I would settle for an answer. Fair, but... <laughs> Your answer is you don't work there. Sorry, that place doesn't exist. But again, I just, why wouldn't they have a medic? Like, you said a medic. Here's my thing with a medic is they're not going to be fully able to care for someone, right? The doctor Mm -hmm. would still have to be involved. Why don't they just have a couple doctors? Like, I know that sucks, but I know that the government has the money for it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. And so why not have a doctor on base, have everyone be checked out whenever they feel sick or whatever. He can go to the upper, the higher ups and be like, hey, look, Broski here was in the trench burning shit. He's not feeling well. What were they burning? And they could be like, uh, well, let's start with this compound is what they were burning. And the mm-hmm. doctor could be like, okay, I'll start there. If it doesn't work, what do I go to? Now? You know what I mean? Like he can. Yeah. He at would the very have least, the clearance. Yeah. At the very least, he would be able to be like, I can't tell you what it was, but I can tell you how to treat it. Throw him this medicine and right. see if it works. All we need is Dr. House in Area 51. He, that's He's probably where he is, limping yeah. around. He's like, hey, guys. Yeah. You, you look perfectly healthy. Clearly not. Yeah. Your, your eyes are bloodshot. Mm-hmm. Have you been, are you okay? And then he's going to die. You know? Yeah. And then he's going to send someone to your house to see what's in your refrigerator. And that's when he's going to figure out it was pork all along. You didn't cook it. It It wasn't this chemicals that you burned. Yeah. It wasn't this imaginary base in the desert. You just don't know how to cook pork. You need a meat thermometer. Get your shit together. Um, Okay. Yeah. So even though the government is like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. That's a thing. That big yellow gate over there, that's actually there. It's just simply classified as a military operating ground. And it is monitored by, I wrote serious signs. I couldn't think of a better word. Because the signs say things like, deadly force allowed, no photos allowed, trespassing results in a fine. All of these feel... Varying degrees of serious to me. So are you thinking maybe hazardous or threatening or warning? Maybe, but like no photos allowed. Okay, that I'm pretty sure my local Walmart has that sign up. But then you've they definitely don't have a deadly fourth force authorized. That's not there. I would not be going into that Walmart if they did. I'd be like, no photos. <laughs> Definitely force authorized. I I'll go to Target. I will not steal in anything from that Walmart. That's for sure. I will pay for everything. Yes, you can see my receipt. Matter of fact, you can keep. I made a copy. Matter Just, of fact, I don't want anything. You, I bought you a candy bar. Here's the receipt with it too. Yeah, th- yeah. This is yours. This isn't mine. Um, they also have 
armed patrol guards, buried motion sensors, and obviously cameras, just to name a couple things. The buried motion sensors worries me because I just don't trust that they're just motion sensors. Yeah. And there's uh there was reports too of motion sensors being buried in public areas that are no longer public areas, but they were at the time. And I'll get into that later too. But yeah. <laughs> sketchy things, sketchy stuff going on. So I mentioned earlier the U-2 spy plane was tested at Area 51. Other planes tested here was the Arch Archangel 12, the SR-71 Blackbird, the F-111 Nighthawk Stealth Fighter, the Bird of Prey, and the Tacit Blue. I've never looked at spy planes. That's a lot, though. Yeah, they were, they were pretty cool. Uh, basically, any stealth plane that the U.S. military used or uses, probably a good bet that it come from Area 51. Okay, that's, I mean, that's fine. No. no big deal. The testing of these planes is what skeptics say believers are actually seeing when they report looking out here and seeing the lights in the sky, the strange aircrafts, and the fact that the government is so strict and secretive about what goes on here, and them being completely unwilling to shed any kind of light on it, it doesn't really help quell any fears about aliens here. I mean, look, in everyone's defense, I think people have just accepted that aliens are real, for the most part. Yeah. Granted, the government did just come out and be like, we found non-human biologics, and I'm like, cool. Yeah, like, okay, shocker. Anybody shocked? Show of hands. I'm shocked they admitted it. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean aliens, because it could be a bird that's a non-human biologic. Fair point, yeah. Um, and the UFO could be any, it could be a drone, it could be anything that An is egg. unidentified. Uh-huh. The bird's egg. So, good try, government, but not quite what we wanted. Show us the aliens. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> first, government. This is what we want. These are This is Show. a list of our demands. One thing, aliens. Show them. Show them to us. <laughs> Might as well, guys. Like, we, at least me and Amanda are over here, like, look, we've talked about, like, the Baringa and Betty and Barney Hill. And I don't think I said Baringa right, but I don't care because, like, my eyes hurt too much for me to remember. But <laughs> there's it's... plenty of things. Yeah. Um. So, other than... The planes that we produced there, and by we, obviously, I mean me and Bryce, the planes that we built at Area 51, there's also been um, declassified documents saying that enemy planes have been taken to Area 51 to be studied. There's one specific detailed project called Have Donut. Have Donut. Have Donut. Have donut. Yes. I have donuts at my house. <laughs> Is that part of it? No. Um, I don't know why it's called that. I just, I want to be part, I want to be part of, how do I get the job in the military of naming secret 
things like this. That's what I want to do. I just want someone to come to me and be like, hey, we have a spaceship. We reverse engineered it. And now we're going to fly it. What do you want to call it? And I'm like, oh, perfect. We're going to call it the swimming trapezoid. And they're going to be like, perfect. But you don't even need to necessarily know what it is in that thing. All they need to say is, hey, we have a secret thing and we need a name for it. You don't even have details. It's just, we got a thing. We need a name. That, okay, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Have a thing. So. Like, honestly, that's what they did that morning. And the guy was like, well, I have a donut and a cup of coffee. And he's like, have donut. Done. That's all they heard was have yeah. donut. Yeah. They were like, we need a name for this. And he's like, damn it, Daniel. I just walked in the door. Can I have a donut? And he's like, done. Thanks, boss. Have donut. Yeah. Done. Have donut. <laughs> the U.S. Air Force was able to secretly acquire Soviet MIGs back in the 1960s. And have donut was the study of these planes. And according to the documents that were declassified, they described Israel getting a hold of the plane and they just let the U.S. borrow it from January to August of 1968. How, how do you just, did you fly it here? Did we put the plane on a plane and put it, did, how does that even work? You know, I know what I'm confused about is this top secret place <laughs> just lets other places borrow planes, you know? Exactly. Like, how do you just, you just call up and be like, hey, Israel. I heard y'all got an enemy plane in. Is that true? Can we see it? Can we borrow it? I just want to look at it. What we need you to do is drop it in the middle of the desert in Nevada, where there are absolutely no buildings in sight, and we'll come get it. Don't worry about it. If you see a little smoke, just put on a gas mask. We're not burning anything, guys. I promise. Yeah, definitely don't let it touch your skin. Definitely don't go upwind. Yeah. No, actually, stay downwind. No, no, no. No, no. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We built the trench wrong. So if you stay downwind, you're good. And they were just like, yeah, sure. Sure. They were, absolutely. Yes. I learned to share in kindergarten. How long did they borrow it for? From January to August. So yeah, that's what? Times? Half the year. I was going to say, how many times do you think Israel was like, can we have our plane back? And the U.S. was like, oh, oh, I forgot to bring it. I'm so sorry. I'll bring it next time. Yes. And they're like, okay, you promise? U.S., you promise to bring it back? And they're like, yes, yes, we'll bring it back. And then like a couple weeks later, they're meeting up and it's like, hey, did you bring my plane? Oh, I forgot to put it in my other plane. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Like, you know, when you forget to put something in your car? Yes. They were like, oh, it's in my other plane. Gosh, dang it. I'm so sorry. It was The keys are in my mm-hmm. other pant pocket. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know what? It's the craziest thing. We left it at this base that doesn't exist. So now we have to go find it. No, now the plane just doesn't exist. Yeah. And then you know, like, the calls were being screened. Like, Israel was, like, texting <laughs> and being like, hey, we're, we're meeting up here next week. Can you make sure to bring the plane? And the U.S. was just, like, ghosting them. Like, no response. Didn't even go to the event. Just ignored them. And Israel probably came knocking on the door of Area 51, like, can we have our plane back? I know you have my donuts. (laughs) I can see the plane and the donuts. 
And I the, told you uh, not to eat in this place. Yeah. There's crumbs everywhere. Is that how you, is that what, you, do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. You're going to pay for the cleaning of this this aircraft. And this is ridiculous. I'm never loading you anything ever again. Never. Uh, the reports that were declassified for Have Donut, I just, I, I just want to say it as much as I can. They varied <laughs> on what was studied. But two things for sure. One detailed the technical characteristics of the plane. And the other detailed, um, it was like a tactical evaluation. So we were, we were looking and learning here. And something you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned, I think, a drone. And you're right on the money, because not just stealth planes have been tested at Area 51. There's also been documents declassified with records of Soviet radar systems. Like, I don't know how we keep getting stuff from the Soviets, okay? But we took their radars, too. Um, there's Planes, we got just, your radar! Yes! Um, there's evidence that could also connect the death of Osama bin Laden to Area 51. The stealth helicopter that the Navy SEALs used to fly to the Abbottabad compound, compound and the RQ-170 stealth drone that was used to monitor that compound. Both of those can be linked back to Area 51, too. Linking it all back to Area 51. Well, again, uh, speaking of taking everything, um, <laughs> so people used to gather at these two specific places called Freedom Ridge or Whitesides. And they were about 12 miles away from this non-existent base in the middle of the desert. And they had pretty good view of Area 51 and all the buildings there. So... The government didn't like this because they don't like people coming up there with their tinfoil hats, taking pictures of their goings of goings ons. So they don't work. From what I'm told. I have a coworker that went on a date with someone that told us that told her that. I need more info on that date. Eating raw garlic, however, does help for you to communicate with the aliens. Listen. I have not been single in a long time, so I got a lot of details from her. And I was like, wait, tell me the story again. We'll talk about it another time. So you have a choice of either talking to aliens or talking to vampires, but not both. (laughs) Not both. You got to make a choice. Yep. You got to make your choice. Tinfoil hats do not work. That is an insult, guys. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. But go ahead and take your garlic <clears throat> breath and spread it around. Okay. So either whatever you might believe, tinfoil hat, garlic bread, whichever. Um, garlic bread or breath? I mean, honestly, Probably. both, depending on how much garlic's on the bread. Valid. Why don't you just do that then? Just have some garlic bread. That's better than just straight garlic. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you have some stuff you really want to talk to them about. No, I don't even want to talk to my husband. So, <laughs> yeah, I think garlic breath is also good for that. Yeah, I was going to say that apparently <laughs> attracts the aliens, but you know, repels my <laughs> husband. Is he a vampire? He's something. 
sucking the life out of me. I'm just kidding. No, he's not. It's probably the opposite way around. I'm probably sucking the life out of him. Um, so the, the government got tired of people with their picnics, their garlic picnics on this, uh, on the site, on this area. And they allegedly, they allegedly tried to limit access by setting up an illegal roadblock, block, a roadblock. So there's a dirt road and this dirt road takes you to Freedom Ridge and Whitesides and it goes through a canyon. There, uh, people are trying to go up to these, this ridge and they noticed that some rocks had been blown off of the canyon walls and were very strategically placed in a line blocking the road. Oh, how unfortunate that those rocks fell and blocked the road. They fell just perfectly. What a coincidence. Cars well, cannot you know what? get through that. That's what you think. Because the looky-loos would not be deterred. They had their tinfoil hats and they were ready to rumble. So they built a dirt ramp over the rocks. And with the right vehicle, not your Ford Taurus or your Toyota Camry, okay? You have to have like a Jeep, a, I assume a Range Rover, you know, an all-terrain vehicle, possibly. My RAV4 is not making over it, making it over no. that. Not unless you just gun it. You got to go real fast. Actually, don't, and I'll tell you why later. But um... I'm not doing that with Barry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not putting Barry in that situation, okay? With the right, let's say you have a, a tall truck. Okay, you could use this ramp and continue on to these public areas. When the government, I guess, saw this ramp and they were like, damn, they're really not stopping. What are we going to do? Um, they just withdrew the land and made it illegal to trespass on it in 1995. So they just took their land back. And they're like, this, this public area, no longer public. It's mine now. You can't go here. You can't sit with us can't sit this we wear pink on wednesdays yeah and you weren't wearing it they're rankings you know like that's they just yeah we, we wear rankings in these areas mm -hmm. guys we're and we're part of the military we know what we're talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> yep we are ex-pairs <laughs> it's also very late here so we're we're losing it i think we we bullshit for a couple minutes before starting i think we're getting a little sleepy and loopy <laughs> I saw Amanda take a little hit of something, something. Medicine? <clears throat> water. There's, I do have water here, but I've been drinking the Pepsi. I'm not judging you. That's why I love Heavily. you. Heavily. I'll take it. <laughs> do whatever you want. Um, I've got my cute ghosty here keeping me I company. So, yeah, they just, they snatched the public territory back. And they added new signs with high visibility orange posts, letting the public know that the land was now off limits. And they're, um, it's not your land. Stop taking <laughs> photos of our Air away. Force Base. <laughs> we can use deadly, or I don't know. <laughs> oh, I like where this was going. Hold on. <laughs> The aliens don't like it, is all I know, okay? <laughs> well, neither did um, the believers. I don't know what to call them. I know that's like people that love, what's his name? Bieber? Justin Bieber? 
Aren't the they believers? believers? Yeah. Believer. Not believers. They don't care about Area 51. I'm talking about believers. We're going to talk about believers next week, by the way. <laughs> are you, are, you are we really? We're going to we're going to touch on Justin Biebs. Yeah. Oh, we're my God. For a sec. OK, we got to stop doing this. <laughs> the believers, they're still. They're going to see this base and they're going to take their pictures. OK, so you can still go up to Tickaboo Peak. Which is about 26 miles from the base. So way more than 12, but you can see through that picture, you can still get a pretty good picture of Area 51 from Tickaboo Peak. That's not Area 51. There's no buildings there. There's not a base there. I, um, I see a couple buildings. It's just pretty, a mirage. It's probably it's a compound. It's just a large family. We probably should check on them because last large yeah. family I read about was not doing so hot. Um, finally, what I wanted to end on, or I guess pause on, is saying that e- even though the government is like <laughs> aliens, what are you talking about? We never heard of them. Never Ish, heard of them. Gosh. You're crazy. The state of Nevada is full on like come see the aliens. They love it. They're here for it. I have a photo of the city of Rachel, and it's just a sign that says, Welcome to Rachel. There is a UFO over the E. Welcome to Rachel, Nevada. Population, human, yes. Aliens, question mark. Valid. And then um, Nevada renamed Highway 305, which is how you would use this to get to Area 51. They renamed it to the Extraterrestrial Highway. Done. That's what we need to do. Next episode, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go down the extraterrestrial highway and we're going to talk about what we quote unquote think goes on at Area 51. We did all the boring stuff today. Next week, we're going to talk about the the aliens. I wouldn't call anything we talked about today boring. We made up a song. Yeah, we Granted, did. Granted, it was. We're it believers was. now. Yeah, we're believers. This land is your, this land is our land. It's not your land. Yeah. Something about. When we use deadly force uh, when we need to. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. We some, nailed it. Some. <laughs> you know, I didn't sing it that time, but in my defense, you got it once and you'll be lucky if I leave it in. If you want to hear it again, you can hit rewind. Yes, exactly. Figure it out. The <laughs> lyrics might have changed from then to now i don't really care okay i'm pretty sure they absolutely changed i'm absolutely positive you you know what no we were just singing a different verse that's all yes we were not to the chorus yet guys different verses you can't even judge us yet yeah no um (laughs) you know so real quick what's really fun about amanda doing area 51 and i already told her about this um I actually found a story that I'm going to start on research that is a conspiracy theory out of Area 51. So I found that before she told me. I wasn't going to cover the details of Area 51 because that felt like a not me problem in that moment. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how we do this. This We're in 100 episodes and we I still don't get how we do this. How in the hell did we just do two stories? Both of them were Lockheed or whatever the hell it was called. Lockheed Martin. 
Yeah. And then you talk about Bieber. I'm going to talk about Bieber next week. Like he's in my notes. I have Jay Biebs written like six times. It's because this is episode 100. This is special. It is. But my point in saying that is I don't know how we do it. And we're 100 episodes in and it's still, we're still doing this. We'll cover it one day on a paranormal. <laughs> we are the paranormal <laughs> yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, what'll probably happen is, you know, and years in the future annie will cover this on her own podcast oh god help therapy. Us. i don't know probably therapy <laughs> yeah either way that's what's gonna happen <laughs> so annie's gonna either go to therapy and be like listen to my mom and her crazy friend they made up a song it was really traumatizing i really need it i need help maybe i should just start her now might like, well. look, she's she can only say a couple of words, but that's all you need. Listen, I watch things about ghosts and demons and murderers, and I read things. So she might need that help early on in life. Here you go, Doc. Perfect. Okay, I'm going to set it up Monday. <laughs> okay, done. They're going to be like, are you sure she needs the therapy or do you? And you'll be, be like, like no, oh. I've got my tin hat. Don't, I've yeah. got my tin hat and garlic. I'm good. Yeah, no, I'll I'll call you when I need my Zoloft upped. Yeah, which is probably today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, X, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we are working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!